everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grow Up. On today's episode, it is my pleasure to welcome my friend Jamie Choi. Hey, Jamie, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Um, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, of course. I'm so excited. Um, well, uh, before we like get started and me asking you questions, I should tell people what it is that you do. Um, and you are a dental hygienist, right? Yes, I am. Okay, so honestly, I never even thought about dental hyg- hygienist because growing up, I never went to the dentist. Um, <laughs> like, did you grow up going to the dentist? Yeah, so that was the one thing that we did regularly interesting we would always go to the dentist <gasps> okay but like have you found that to be a common thing like amongst asian americans or korean americans no right okay so, okay yeah good i'm not alone okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i like i remember um i mean i did have an orthodontist and i just like would go to that regularly but then after that, I remember even asking my mom, like, can I please go to the dentist? Because, like, because all my friends would go to the dentist. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's what you're supposed to do. And she's like, you don't need to go. Like, you're fine. And and it's true. I actually never had cavities growing up or anything like that. But that doesn't excuse the fact that I should have gone to the dentist. <laughs> um, well, with that being said, uh, Jamie, can you tell me what is a dental hygienist? Oh, yeah. So the way I describe dental hygiene very simply to people is I'm the person that you see when you first come to the dentist, the person who cleans your teeth before the dentist comes in. But in reality, there's so much more than just teeth cleaning in dental hygiene. We are the people that spend the most time with you when you come to the dentist. And we are sort of like the preventive care specialists in the dental world Mm. so people tend to say like you see the dentist when you have a problem but you see the hygienist to prevent that problem yeah oh okay well so I know I said I didn't grow up uh going to the dentist but after I got married David found it my husband David who you know so Jamie and I we go to church together that's how we know each other (laughs) but um David like was like, oh, we need to go to the dentist because I needed to get my wisdom teeth pulled. Yeah. Oh, so it was horrible. But, <laughs> but um, you know, everything you're saying right now is like um, very like, yeah, it's I recall it very well in my visits in the last couple of years. Um, but. Yeah, I feel like it was the, I I didn't know they were the dental hygienist, but you know, they were telling me, oh, like about flossing and like, do you floss? (laughs) And then they were like, oh, and then they encouraged David, this is like three years ago, they encouraged David and I to change to an electric toothbrush Mm. um, because we didn't know like that we should do that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So the, I guess adjuncts, the things that help with oral health care at home have evolved so much since like I went to the dentist also. Mm. Like we have floss picks now, water picks, um, water picks that you can take into the shower, electric toothbrushes. 
Um, and even some like dental tools that aren't so recommended, um, they have come out with like scalers, the things that we use at the dental clinic for What's people to use at Is that the thing that like you, what is that? It's the tool that helps to get the tartar off your teeth. Right. It's like yeah. a scraping tool. Yes. Oh, I don't like that one. <laughs> but they have that for like, I can buy that and use it technically. Yes, but we don't recommend for people to do that just because you could hurt yourself and sure, do more yeah. damage than good. Ah, okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So, um, so you are kind of the, so you have to be kind of relational, I feel like. Definitely. Mm. I would say that. As a dental hygienist, you're talking to the patient so much that you're sort of like consulting them on how to change their home care to better serve their oral health. I see. So um, whenever patients come into the office, they don't just want to be clean. They usually want to have a conversation with you and develop a relationship with you. So I would say that to be in this sort of field, you have to be relational to some degree. Mm, okay. Um, so you recently graduated, right? Yes. I graduated this past May. Woohoo! Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I definitely want to get into all the schooling and all that kind of stuff. But before um, all of that, I wanted to ask, so you found a job in Atlanta, um, what does a typical day look like then for you as a dental hygienist? If you can even just like tell me like, you know, the schedule or even just like um, what kind of patients you see and things like that. Yeah. So the office that I work at right now is geared more towards cosmetic dentistry. So we do, we see a lot of people who have veneers, which are um, sort of like coverings for your teeth that make them look nicer. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but a typical day, so our office is open from 7.30 to 3.30, and we see eight patients typically throughout the day. So one hour per patient. Some offices do 45 minutes or 30 minutes per patient, um, depending on like age level and how much buildup they have on their teeth. Mm. So I would go into the office about at least 15 minutes before I see a patient just to prepare everything beforehand. So as in like a small practice dental office, we tend to do things that aren't necessarily in our job description. So we help each other out a lot. So we'll do sterilizations. Um, we'll help the assistants. The assistants will help us. And we'll just prepare the office and turn everything on, um, start um, looking at our patients and pass notes before we actually see them. And then we'll actually get the patient in our chair. Mm. So whenever that happens, we'll greet them. We'll ask them if anything's changed in their medical history, um, just to be able to know if anything had changed. So if a patient recently had knee surgery or joint surgery, they would need to be on specific medications to get a dental cleaning, just so that no infection happened. Mm. So to protect against any mishaps, we always ask for 
an update on the medical history and if anything's bothering in their, them in their mouth at that moment. So after that, we would take any x-rays that are needed. So typically we update bite wing x-rays, which check in between your teeth for any cavities um, once a year. Um, that's how much insurance will cover, but also that's typically really good to see if anything's changed since the last time. Um, so we'll take bite wings, we'll take a pan, um, a panoramic x-ray, which goes all the way around your head. It sort of looks really cool because you see all your teeth at once. Um, and then after those, we'll start the cleaning. So things will change depending on offices. But at my office, we'll do an oral um, cancer screening. So we look in the mouth to see if there are any like unusual um, lesions that could be an indicator of oral cancer or just any like abnormality in the mouth. Interesting. Um, yeah. So then after that, we would um, floss them. And the reason why we floss people is not to be able to see if they've been flossing really well or not. <laughs> um, but flossing actually helps us to be able to see how the health of the gingiva, the gums are from the very beginning. So after we do that, we'll either use our hand instruments. So this, the scalers that we were talking about earlier, or we would use an ultrasonic instrument, which is sort of like a water pick, but the tip of it vibrates mm. and it's used to get like um, more buildup off the teeth in a more comfortable way for the patient and for the provider. Mm. Um, so then after the entire cleaning, we also measure the gums. So that's like um, when people say that we poke their gums, we actually do, but we poke underneath the gums to see how much um, either your gums are healthy or there had been bone loss. Mm. So typically one to three millimeters is normal for a person. But if there's five millimeters or plus, that indicates bone loss. Um, Wait, or, sorry. Okay, so uh, what is this measurement, though, that you're saying? Like, what are you measuring? Okay, so the gums around a tooth is sort of like a turtleneck. Okay. So it's not completely attached. Oh. So there's a little bit of your gum that it holds space between your tooth and the gum. Okay, okay. So then so that you're measuring is the measure. space? Yes. So the, the normal space is one to three millimeters. But if there's, say, like five or six millimeters, that shows attachment loss. So your gums have become more loose around your tooth and it indicates that your bone level has gone down. Oh, yeah. my. Okay, so why does that happen? Like age or you're not taking care of your teeth or everything? What is so it could be a whole lot of things. Um, one is that if you don't care, take care of your gums very well, um, you'll have gingivitis, which I'm sure you've heard of. Inflammation of your gums, but inflammation of your gums can evolve to periodontitis, which is bone disease and gum disease. Yeah. So 
whenever we are poking the gums and measuring them, we're trying to see how your oral health is beneath the surface. So things that we can't see. So people who have gingivitis, um, usually it'll go away um, when you start to add more things into your routine, such as like mouth rinses that fight gingivitis or brushing your teeth for longer than 30 seconds. Um, but if you don't take care of that, it could lead to a more serious disease, periodontitis. So the good thing about gingivitis is that once you stop the progression, nothing goes or nothing is irreversible. So gingivitis is reversible, which means that you can come back to a state of health. But periodontitis, once you lose bone level, you don't get that back. Um, so it's really important for us as hygienists and the dentist to be able to tell you if you have gingivitis or periodontitis so it doesn't get any worse from there. Wow. Okay. So, um, like, if you see that there is, like, diminishing, it's like the gap is larger, then um, you can already assume it's gingivitis or you don't know exactly. You can just tell them, oh, there is bone loss. So gingivitis, we can see clinically. Um, that's when, like, your gums are red, they're bleeding, okay, they're okay, yes. a little more swollen. Okay, okay. But periodontitis is sort of hidden. You mm -hmm. can't really see it from just looking at the mouth unless you have recession where your gum line has gone down visibly. So going into, like, get your cleanings and your checkups is really important because we have a special tool called the probe. And it has little markings on it for each millimeter. And we press it in between your gum and your tooth, um, all the way around your tooth. And if it goes deeper than, say, four millimeters, we can already assume that there had been attachment loss where your gum had separated from your tooth and that your bone level had gone down. Oh, David's been telling me to go to the dentist and I've been... <laughs> This is, this is so fascinating to me right now. Um, I guess it is important to go. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, okay. So, how, mm -hmm. oh, sorry, what were you going to say? So I didn't know how important going to the dentist and why flossing is important until I actually went to hygiene school. Interesting. Okay. I mean, no, and everything you're saying, I feel like... Um, you're articulating so well for me, someone that doesn't know anything about teeth to understand. And it makes sense. Like, I'm like, yes, why would I want a disease in my mouth? You know, like, you know, it makes perfect sense. Okay. Anyway, so you check for that. And then um, how does your day progress after that with the patient? So after we do the entire cleaning, get all of our um, sort of like data, you would say, we would prepare to get the dentist. So depending on the office, things are different. Um, we at our office like to give sort of like a rundown to the dentist of what we found, just because we just spent 45 minutes with this patient 
and the dentist is just coming into this room mm. and there's not enough time in the day for the dentist to also spend 45 minutes with this patient. Mm -hmm. So we give them a rundown of things that sort of look suspicious, um, things uh, that the patient wants to have addressed and we would have them come into the room and then the dentist will take a look. And at that point, the dentist is looking at any cavities, any restorations you might have, such as crowns or fillings, just to make sure that everything is okay. They sometimes will also do an oral cancer screening um, just to go behind the hygienist and address anything that the patient has concerns over. Mm -hmm. So after that portion, we dis after the dentist leaves the room, the hygienist will answer any questions that the patient has. So because the hygienist had already created a rapport with the patient, sometimes the patient will ask their opinion on what the doctor said. Mm. So for example, if the dentist recommended that a patient get a filling on this specific tooth, um, the patient could ask the hygienist, oh, do you really think that I should get this filling? just because they have a relationship with a hygienist already built and they trust the hygienist sometimes more than the dentist just because of the time spent together. Yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah. So after that, we would dismiss the patient and flip our room, which means to clean it, to prepare for the next patient, and then go about our day. So that happens about eight times throughout the day. And in between those patient sessions, we would have time for like to write our notes, to have like a water break, go to the restroom. Um, but typically it's a going, going, going situation. Right. It seems like it would be nonstop, especially if you're seeing eight. So just you in particular, you're seeing eight patients. But I'm, so like there are other dental hygienists in the office, right, that are seeing yeah. patients as well. Okay. Oh man, that's, I mean, that's a lot of people to see and a lot of teeth to clean, I feel like. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay, so I'm curious, like when you are looking for, um, I mean, I do you walk your patients through what you're doing? So it depends. We sort of have to read body language with patients in the chair. Um, some people like to just be in and out mm. and just have their teeth clean. Some people are really into like what's happening and will ask questions as we go along, um, which is really fun. I like answering questions and it makes it seem more enjoyable because the patient is enjoying it too. I see. <laughs> um, but usually I will... I won't tell the patient what's going on besides like, okay, so now I'm going to floss your teeth or so now I'm going to start the cleaning or polish your teeth now. Mm. Um, but if the patient expresses interest in it, I will go into like a more in-depth of what I'm doing. I see. Um, I guess the reason I'm asking too is like, I don't feel like I've ever gone to the dentist and they've looked for like lesions or sores in my mouth um, is that something that's unique to your office or is it like older patients they do that with more or? 
I think it may be unique to my office, mm-hmm. but also in school, we were always taught to um, look around the oral cavity to see any abnormalities. Um, but specific to my office, we always, it's sort of a little funny. I hold the tongue with a piece of gauze and I look on either side of it um, because oral cancer tends to present on the sides of the tongue um, oh, more than anywhere else. I see. But even during a cleaning, the hygienist is in looking in the mouth so long that they would have to see all around it. Sure, um, sure. So even if they're not grabbing the tongue and looking at both sides of it in that explicit way, they are most likely still on the watch for anything that looks out of place. Okay. So have you ever seen that before? I have seen a lesion on the side of a tongue before. Um, it was a little bit alarming just because I knew the gravity of what it could be. Um, but in that situation, I didn't explicitly tell this patient that, oh, this is oral cancer right? right. because I don't know if it's right, cancer. Right, right. So whenever that happens, I'll let the dentist know like what I saw and then they'll look at it too. Mm-hmm. And if we need to refer them to an oral surgeon to get a biopsy of that lesion, we'll send them to an oral surgeon. I see. But yes, in that in those situations, we just tell the patient, "Oh, we found something that um, may or may not be something to be concerned about." So we want you to see the specialist um, just to be safe. Oh man! So I'm thinking about like these eight patients that you're seeing, and I'm sure each patient like is different, right? Because mm-hmm. and and like, how do you deal with like, you know? I feel like the going to the dentist is not something everyone really looks forward to. I will say I do ha- I do have friends that do look forward to it, like going to the dentist. Um, but yeah, how do you deal with the anxiety of some people that come in? So whenever there is a patient with dental anxiety, we call it dental anxiety because it's a real thing. Um, it'll have it on their chart. So... In our medical histories, we ask the patient if they have anxiety, um, and it really helps us to better prepare for that appointment time to make sure that we can change some things about what we do to make it more comfortable for the patient. Mm -hmm. For example, some people don't like the noises of the dental office, and that makes them really anxious. So we have tools like the ultrasonic scaler that doesn't make the scraping sound, but it just makes a beeping sound. And we have to use, because it's COVID times, we use an external suction too that will catch the aerosols. So that's extra loud, which will drown out other sounds. Um, Also just being more gentle with the patient. And those are the patients that you would tell exactly what you're doing so that Mm. they don't get surprised during the appointment. We also would, depending on which hygienist would see them, um, we would give them to the more gentle um, hygienist or the more um, skilled hygienists that are regularly seeing these sorts of patients. I see. So does each hygienist, like, are they, like, 
<laughs> I don't know how to ask this. <laughs> like, are there like different styles of cleaning? I think there are. Um, I think it also is with um, whenever we went to school and stuff and whenever we learned how to use our instruments. Um, I think it also is a personality thing too. Mm -hmm. So I know me and one of my other coworkers are known to be the more gentle hygienist. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are other hygienists that are more heavy handed, Mm -hmm. not to say it in a bad way because patients like sometimes like to feel as if they're getting cleaned out really right. well. Yes, yes. And then they don't like feeling that they didn't really get cleaned. I get, um, I know what you mean. Yes. Yeah. So in that way, there sort of is like different kinds of hygienists. Mm, interesting. I mean, I am not surprised that you are one of the more gentler <laughs> hygienists. <laughs> But I also feel like me in particular, I think I would um, like, I'd probably like what you said as a more heavy handed hygienist. Cause I think I like the feeling of like getting in there and like scraping mm-hmm. off whatever needs to be scraped off. So gross. I'm sorry. But um, like, I mean, I guess we should get into school because maybe you would answer some more of my questions. But but what I was going to ask before we get into school um, is like, I don't know how like open you can be about this, honestly. But I mean, like, do you ever get grossed out? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Simply put. Yes. (laughs) More specifically, um, I wouldn't say that I get grossed out in the office that I am right now, just Uh because our population is more young professional. Okay. Um, But whenever I was in school, we had a vast variety of patients who came in to Mm. be our like practice patients for whenever we were practicing what we learned on them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just remember there was a time where I was picking out chicken, a lot of chicken from (laughs) teeth. Um, And I would say that was the most unappetizing experience I've had. Oh God, I want to throw up. I mean, not interesting. It's gross. That's gross. But, (laughs) but, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that happens a lot. I mean, you said at your office in particular, it's a little bit different because the population that you you work for. But um, yeah, I mean, I would imagine that's a very common thing to encounter, maybe, right? Especially after lunchtime. Right. Mm-hmm. My mom always did say, go brush your teeth before you go to the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> but then it was like, kind of like, why? Like, mm-hmm. like they're gonna brush it for me right (laughs) exactly I thought the same thing (laughs) yeah it's kind of like even like when you go get your hair cut you know it's like you don't wash your hair before Mm -hmm. they're gonna do it anyways (laughs) yeah (laughs) but but with that kind of image in my head you guys go brush your teeth before you go see your dental hygienist okay (laughs) 
<laughs> Don't go up in there and like let them take chicken out of your mouth. Gross. Yuck. <laughs> um, okay. Well, Jamie, could you take me back to the beginning, like of when all this started for you? Um, maybe even like high school. Like, when did you decide this is what you wanted to do? So it's actually sort of a funny story because whenever the idea of being in like the dental field came about was my brother, Peter, which Blair knows through yes. church, um, wanted to be a dentist when he grew up. So starting oh, I think from he like, did tell me this before. Yeah. Okay. If you know Peter now, he is not a dentist. Um, <laughs> he is in computer science. But whenever we were growing up, he would always be like, he wanted to be a dentist when he grows up. So he would tell me that and me being very attached to my brother, I automatically was like, oh, I'll work for you. Um, not as a hygienist per se, but as your receptionist. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So I was not a very ambitious child. Um, so whenever that happened, I like stuck to that. I'll work for Peter whenever like we grow up. But then as he went to college, he decided that dentistry isn't what he wants to pursue anymore. Um, so then I was like, man, well, my plan's going out the window. I can't be a receptionist for him anymore because he's not going to be a dentist. So back to square one. So when I was in high school, I did the healthcare tract. We had the opportunity to become certified nursing assistants in high school through like an extracurricular. Really? Um, yeah. It was so great because during school time, we were able to shadow different medical professionals. And in that way, we were able to see like, oh, this interests me. This is something that I want to do, what I want to pursue. Um, so at the core of it, we were all like sort of nursing tracks. Um, becoming a certified nursing assistant is like a couple steps under a nurse. We would help the nurse. So we would go to the local hospital in Augusta, where I'm from, and we would help the nurses there and care for actual patients during a school day. Um, so like one to two hours during a day. Wow, that's cool. So you're, uh, do all high schools in Augusta do this or? So whenever I was in school, um, my county did it. Um, that's they great. all had that option, but I'm not sure if they're still doing it now. But it was what Peter and I both were able to do in high school. That's amazing. Do yeah. I don't I mean it's been a long time since I've been in high school, but um I wonder if they do that at other schools. Like what a great opportunity, I feel like, mm -hmm. to just have that exposure. And even to find out maybe you, you like this is not for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm, okay. I definitely sorry. found oh you're you're fine. Um, I definitely found out that working in a hospital setting wasn't something that I enjoyed. Mm. So that ruled out nursing for me and a lot of other smaller, lesser known professions such as 
um, radiology mm. um, and things like that in yeah. the hospital just because um, from the little that I interacted with people who worked in the hospital um, their lifestyle wasn't what I was envisioning for my future um, and they seemed very burnt out in their job not to say that all nurses or all doctors are like that, but just the people that I've interacted with in that moment made me in that moment not want to work in a hospital. I see. Yeah. So then after having those experiences in the hospital, we were also given opportunities to go outside of the hospital and shadow different healthcare professionals such as veterinarians dentists, people who have their own practices that we could drive to during that class time. So I shadowed at a dental office close to my school. And the whole point of me going there was to shadow the dentist at first. And it was a great experience. The dentist there was Christian and he played Christian music and he had really good conversations with the patient about life and he seemed to really care for his patients very well but something about his actual job like drilling into teeth and having to do like those procedures um, wasn't what I wanted to do Mm. so then I ended up shadowing the hygienist there and the amount of time that they spent with their patient and getting to know their patient was so much that they had these relationships that they can build and they would see patients like every six months or every year, but they would know exactly what's going on in their life. And they would say, so-and-so, how are the kids doing? Or is so-and-so getting married soon? And things like that. And I just saw it as like an avenue to just build relationships with people, which is something that I wanted to do in a career. Mm. Um, and I enjoyed what, how, I guess some people would call it monotonous, doing the same thing over and over again. But that's like right up my alley. I love um, order and being able to know what exactly I'm expected of and what I'm supposed to do. And dental hygiene was exactly that. Wow. Yeah. I'm like that too. (laughs) (laughs) So from then I was like, okay, so dental hygiene is what I want to do. And whenever I told my parents that they were like, okay, what is a dental hygienist? Um, Because it sounds like a dentist. Um, (laughs) So I like told them what a dental hygienist is, is that they work for a dentist and they weren't opposed to the idea. They were very like, if this is what you want to do, then go for it. Um, Cause they sort of lost like the medical from Peter. Um, and they were like, okay, Jamie is going to go into the medical field and maybe in the future she'll become a dentist but I always shoot that down I do not want to become a dentist (laughs) (laughs) Um, but every once in a while my mom will be like okay are you going to go to more school but I'm very happy with where I am right now yeah so after that I was looking into different programs um, around where I was 
So dental hygiene is typically a associate's degree. So depending on the school or program that you get into, you would either need to have like a year's worth of prerequisite classes to take before applying to the program, or you can just go straight in from your high school credits. Um, But I knew that I didn't want to do a associate's degree um, just because in the future, if I did decide to do something more with my dental hygiene degree, um, I don't want to do more school later. I would rather just do all my school now. Mm. So the school I ended up going to, Augusta University, um, happened to have a bachelor's degree program for dental hygiene. Mm. So I would do two years of prerequisites, taking all the classes that I need to apply to the program. And then in the second year, I would apply and interview and see if I get into dental hygiene school. So dental, my dental hygiene program didn't have an exam that you had to take beforehand. Like nursing has the T's, um, med school has like the MCAT, um, but my school didn't have any of those. You just went in with your grades from your prerequisites, um, letters of recommendation. If you had any shadowing hours, that was really great. And from then they would either invite you for an interview or not. Mm. So at my interview, it was a sort of like a group style interview. There were about eight other people um, all applying for a dental hygiene program. And there were the professors who were interviewing us. And at the beginning, I remember we were all sitting together and it was sort of by like last name. So for some reason, there was no A or B last name person. So I was the first one. Right. And they they asked like, so why do you want to become a dental hygienist? Um, And then I would give my answer, which was pretty much what I said earlier Mm -hmm. about um, building relationships with patients. And how I feel like in my shadowing of hygienists, it really gave me a desire to pursue this field because of what they do, not only clinically for the patient, but also um, just being like a listening ear. Mm. Um, So then we had that sort of group interview and then we had individual interviews um, with each professor. So after the interviews, the teachers would sort of like on a point system, um, add up how many points you would get through your interviews, like how well you answer the questions, how genuine you were. um, And from then they would decide who got into the program. Mm -hmm. So Sorry, can I interrupt (laughs) you just one second? Um, Yeah. So, I mean, this seems like a very rigorous interview process to get into this program is this because um like there is a lot of like everyone wants there's a lot of people that want to be dental hygienists like is is it competitive is that why or they're just weeding out the people I think it's a little bit of both okay um dental hygiene is definitely growing Mm -hmm. in interest and 
my specific program only takes in 30 people oh wow a year yeah okay um and I know that other programs take even less um but like for nursing for example at Augusta University they take in hundreds at Mm -hmm. one time um so I think it's a weeding out process just because the course is rigorous and they want to take in people who are committed to pursuing it till the end. Sure, and also, sure. there are a lot of people who are applying and are interested in this field. Um, but yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, okay, so you were saying that they add up the points. Yeah, so then they will decide who gets accepted and who will not. So once you get accepted, you'll get like the phone call that says they'll be like, oh, um, congratulations. Um, We look forward to seeing you in this upcoming fall. Um, And then you'll start to prepare for hygiene school. Um, You would do all the fun things like getting your scrubs and your white coat. Um, meeting with your classmates. And for our program, we had like a big little system. Oh, so fun. The people one year ahead of us, so our seniors, would be paired with one of us, the juniors, and help us sort of like a mentoring system mm. um, to get through hygiene school. Um, and I just remember that my big was so generous with her time and her efforts. Um, And it just made me more comfortable with going into this, like, unknown. Um, Just because I didn't really know anything about teeth or hygiene. Um, But I was just jumping into this headfirst. And I think it was a really great system to just allow people to become more easily introduced to hygiene school. So after that, we started school. And the first semester of school was all um, learning. So starting from the anatomy of the tooth and being able to decipher the difference between like a molar and a premolar and being able to number all the teeth because teeth have numbers. Oh, yeah, they do. They, like, say it out loud to whoever is, like, helping them. Mm -hmm. And they're, like, a mark something. And then they say the number. (laughs) You're right. I think that was a really confusing part of my course. Um, Just because I was like, wait, sometimes you don't start from one because one is your wisdom tooth. So some people don't have their wisdom tooth, so you start from two. So it gets confusing, but... But so you can identify, like, which tooth is what, then? Yeah. Does every tooth have a name? Like, yes. you know, like canines and, like, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things. Like, does every tooth have a name? No, right? Yeah, they do. But they do? Not... <laughs> yes. Um, so you have your molars, um, including your wisdom teeth a normal person would have three molars and then you have two premolars and then your canine, 
your lateral incisor and then your central incisor. So going from like very back to front, uh -huh. molar, premolar, canine, lateral incisor, and then central incisor. Oh, I guess there's not that many teeth then. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said three molars, so three molars on each side? Yeah, so we split the mouth into quadrants. Oh. So okay. each quadrant has three molars. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. So usually people will have only two because you get your wisdom teeth taken out. I see. Gotcha. So fascinating. I'm like, but I mean, like, so everything you're learning, like, um, like, how is what? Okay, this is going to sound really dumb, but I know that a dentist needs to know a lot of things. But, like, mm -hmm. essentially, you're learning the same thing as a doctor dentist is learning, right? So, I would say that the dentist learns the same thing, but, like, a hundred times more in depth. I see. Okay. Okay. So, like, in, I have a couple of friends who are in dental school right now. And they would tell me, like, they're learning about the endocrine system or the cardiovascular system. And they go through each um, portion of the body and learn all about it because essentially they're doctors as well. Mm -hmm. And they have to know how, like, this medication will affect this person because they have this. I see. Um, I see. So they learn so much more than us in that way okay like the whole like holistically the body i guess yes. i see um so from what it sounds like after your two years of prerequisite the after the finished program is two years yes okay and so if you were to just get your associate's degree as a dental hygienist it would be do you know if it'll be a two-year program normally yes okay um, I remember you mentioning before that Augusta in itself is like do uh, it's like known for this or did I make this up? <laughs> um, Augusta is a huge medical hub. Okay, so okay. We in have yes, we have the Medical College of Georgia or Augusta University. Oh right, okay, um, uh huh. And then we also MCG, have the right. Yes. Okay, I do know um, this. <laughs> And we also have the Dental College of Georgia in Augusta. Oh, okay, so okay. Another really great thing about Augusta University is that we were able to share the same facility as the Dental College. Mm. So a lot of other programs for dental hygiene don't have as many resources as I did in Augusta because we were able to sort of work alongside the dental students and be able to shadow in like the orthodontics department, in the oral surgery department, and all of these things just because we have the availability to do so. Oh, that's pretty cool and advantageous, I feel like. <laughs> um, you know, I would, I'm curious, like in, at any time during your um, program, were you at all like discouraged like, maybe I shouldn't do this? Or was there a point where you're like, oh, this is totally what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, yes. I was definitely discouraged mm. um, at the very beginning. Um, whenever we first started working 
on our clinical techniques. So learning how to use our instruments. That's what we call our like scalers. Um, I remember that we would be practicing on mannequins um, before we actually practice on like a human being, um, just so that we knew how to use it correctly and effectively so that we wouldn't do anything harmful to the patient. Um, and we had to take competencies, so exams after learning about each instrument, um, just so that we knew how to use it. So in a competency, we would have a specific time slot and we would go into the clinic at this time and have three professors at the same time watch you use this instrument on a specific group of teeth that they choose. So you wouldn't know what teeth they chose um, or anything. You would just know what instrument you would use. Um, and I just remember being so like nervous because you have three pairs of eyes on you watching your every movement. And I remember like there, my hands shaking during that. And I had classmates who were so nervous during it that they would get emotional. And it was a big thing. Um, and even before I got into hygiene school, I prayed that God would humble me. So I take what happened in hygiene school as God answering my prayer. Um, please take that in any way you'd like. Um, so whenever we were doing our competencies, I failed almost every single one of them. So Man, that's stressful. It is so stressful. And I would have so many doubts about like, oh, is this for me um, if I can't do what I'm supposed to do clinically because all hygiene is in my head was clinical. Um, so whenever I would fail time after time, I'd be like, is this like something that I should continue pursuing if I'm not good at it? Mm. Um, and I think the professors at my school were so great because they understood like these sorts of thoughts that run in our heads whenever we don't do well on the first time or the second time. Um, and they were all very encouraging because they would say things like, if you were good and perfect on your first time using this specific instrument, then you wouldn't need school. Um, and they were just so encouraging throughout the whole experience, making sure that we knew that we can only get better, um, and that we're starting from literally zero and trying to be a hundred where we need to take small steps towards this goal. So that was like a huge discouraging moment. Um, but it turned into encouragement through my professors. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like um, having good teachers and professors in your life, like just people that care about what you do and don't abuse the power that they have is like so impactful and effective in a person's life. That's awesome. That's great. I, I, um, I'm curious though, like, you know, after you've gotten through this tough year or season, 
of your program, like, and you start having to work on humans, like, what is that jump and transition like? Because for me, I'm like, I don't know if I could do it. I mean, I, I've had doctors on the podcast before too, and they tell me, you know, it's a lot of practice, a lot of residency, a lot of, you know, those kind of things that they get the experience. But um, at what point do you start seeing people? So this is a really scary time for all of my classmates. Yeah, I mean... It's we, the mouth too, you know. It's like so like sensitive, and then it's like so small, like all yeah. Like, like, and our instruments are so sharp. Yes, yes. Like, <laughs> so the first semester of hygiene school is all learning and using instruments on mannequins. So at the very end of the first semester, we do something called peer patients. So we start working on each other other, yeah so that was very nerve-wracking for both like me and my classmate because my classmate had to trust me to do these things for the first time in a human being's mouth on them and then I also was just nervous about doing this on a real life human being right right um so that was like a huge jump. We went from zero to a hundred then. Um, and I, I just remember after that, before we went on Christmas break, our professors told us that we would start seeing real patients when we come back from Christmas break. So you can just imagine all of us stressing out during that break, leading up to seeing our first patient. But they also let us have another set of peer patients before seeing our real patients. So that helped a little bit. Um, But even still, it was a huge, huge jump. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, like, I feel like, oh, I see the, like, wisdom in, like, the peer patient thing. Because it's like, oh, well, you know, they probably, your patient, since it's your peer, will probably show you more grace because they're in the same position as you are. Um, but then it's like, oh, like, I feel like so many things, there'd be so many things because it's like a real person and not a mannequin anymore but um okay you have to clarify for me it's not that important but I'm just super curious like you say mannequin and I just imagine um like uh like <laughs> like wh- what I'm imagining I don't think is actually what it is so like does a mannequin the mannequin has teeth I'm assuming yes and are they like similar to human teeth so the mannequins that we use for x-rays uh-huh. um, to practice x-rays have actual human teeth in them. Oh, gross. But the ones... <laughs> <laughs> okay. But the ones that we use to um, practice like instrumentation um, are just models. Okay. okay. But we do have um, masks that we can put on their head. Um, to act like skin because we would have to like know how to retract the cheek away from their teeth and all of these things um but whenever we practice we practice without the skin just because we needed to be able to see everything Mm. um 
but I just remember when we first saw the mannequin heads and the skin, it was a little bit creepy because it's sort of like a mask that people would use on Halloween. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So um, after you start seeing – oh, first I have to ask, what was it like, your very first patient that wasn't a, your peer? So my first patient was a friend of mine. which I was very thankful for. Um, I won't disclose names because of HIPAA, but I just remember, (laughs) well, another thing about hygiene school is that they give you a list of patients to call who have been coming um, to be cleaned by students regularly, but you would have to call them and schedule them for your clinic sessions. Okay, just out of curiosity, um, mm-hmm. does one do this because it's free? No. Okay. It's at a very discounted price. I see. Okay, okay. And it will also be the most thorough cleaning in your life. Oh. I would highly recommend it, um, but it just, it's a lot of time commitment. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so you were saying... Um, so my friend was my first patient and it made me feel more confident, Mm. um, because I knew them. So some people would say that they don't want to know their first patient, um, because they don't want to have that pressure on them. But I was sort of the opposite. I didn't want to have someone I didn't know, um, because I felt more comfortable with a friend in the chair rather than a complete stranger. Yeah, I think I would feel similar. I get it. Um, so our clinic sessions were three and a half hours. So the patient would be in the chair for three and a half hours. Um, and starting out, we would bring them in multiple times. Mm. So I had a friend who came in for over, I want to say, 12 hours for me um, in total. She's a very good friend. Yeah. Um, But as you continue on in the program, you'll get quicker and be able to finish patients in, say, like, two hours or three hours in one appointment time. Um, But at the very beginning, it would take multiple um, appointments for us to finish one patient. And the reason for that is, like, just inexperience or, like... Um, not clean teeth or what what is the what is the yeah explanation there are a number of different factors that go into it um one being inexperience we also have checks in between each Uh, step okay, okay um where our professor will come in and go over like our findings and check behind us if we got all of the tartar and plaque off their teeth um And then also depending on how much buildup someone has on their teeth. Um, But yeah. Okay. So something that comes to mind as you're talking is I remember, um, I forget what they called it. I want to say they called it an intense cleaning or extensive cleaning. I don't know what they called it, but um, they asked me to come in for one of those. And I remember like being in pain like afterwards is that like like that that means they just did it right or what does that mean <laughs> does it mean my teeth are not healthy or 
So sometimes people need a deep cleaning. Deep cleaning. Um, that's what they call it. Deep cleaning. <laughs> um, in layman's terms, it's called a deep cleaning, but um, we also call it a SRP, which means scaling and root planing. Ah, so, that sounds like painful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but there are different levels to deep cleanings. Um, from what I'm assuming, I don't think. You would have periodontitis, bone loss. I don't think um, I don't, they didn't tell me anything. So oh, I think they would tell you if you did. Right, right. But it was probably you hadn't had a cleaning in a while, and you just yes. had more buildup under your gums. Uh, so okay. whenever we have a patient who has tartar that's visible on an X-ray, we'll tend to lean more towards a deep cleaning. Mm. So at that appointment where we find the um, build up underneath their gums. We would do the most that we can in that appointment time, and then bring them back for another appointment if we couldn't get it all. Um, just because it takes more time to go under the gums and clean everything out really well. Um, but it does cause some soreness, just because with plaque and tartar building up under your gums, it causes irritation to them. Mm-hmm. And it'll cause inflammation. And where there's inflammation, there's usually pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're having things taken out from underneath your gums that have probably been there for a long time. And you're just changing that up. And it'll cause your gums and mouth to be a little bit sore. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, anyways. Back to your story. Sorry, just got. I was just thinking about it as you're talking about cleanings and taking twelve hours. But, <laughs> but okay. So, uh, in this next, do you see a lot of patients in your last year of hygiene school? Yes, yes. Of your of hygiene school. Oh. Um. So it was actually a little bit odd for me because I went to school during COVID. <gasps> um. Yeah. So. I had sort of a different experience than a regular schooling. Oh, man, that didn't even cross my mind. (laughs) Okay, so what happened for you? So whenever COVID first, like, came around, it was right after our spring pause. So we were, um, our school had, like, a little bit of a vacation time, um, right at the beginning, middle of March. Mm -hmm. So I was in Chicago at the time on vacation um, whenever we first started hearing about like COVID. Mm. Um, And I remember being at the airport and it was on the news that at the airport that I was at, there were people who were COVID positive. Mm. But we didn't know the gravity of that situation at the time. So whenever we were going back home, we were supposed to start school and we went back to school for a couple of days. But then um, as news started picking up about this COVID thing, we were like, okay, we're going to not come in on Friday because the faculty have a meeting about COVID and we'll see each other again the next Monday. Mm. But whenever the next Monday came around, we were all online. Mm. Um, So it was a drastic change. We all thought that we were going back into the clinic, but we had to be online and social distance until we knew more about 
COVID. Mm. Um, so we had to cancel our patients that we had scheduled for the rest of the semester. And we missed out on a lot of hours to learn in the clinic. Um, and then our seniors who were preparing for their boards exam um, were thrown for a huge loop because they didn't know if they were going to be able to complete the semester. Oh, wow. um, so it was a huge thing. But for me specifically, we just continued to do online for the rest of that semester. And then when we came back in the fall as seniors, we would hopefully be back in clinic. Mm. Um, so throughout the summer, it was normal summer, no schoolwork or summer work. Um, but I was a part of the class officers. So my duty was class secretary. And during the summer, I helped to pair the bigs, so the seniors to the littles, um, which was really fun. It was just like an extra thing that I enjoyed that had nothing to do with school. Um, it sounds really I, fun, though. I would enjoy that, too. <laughs> yeah. So whenever we came back um, in the fall, we were trying to adhere to all these precautions such as social distancing, mm. um, limiting aerosol production, um, wearing an extensive amount of protective equipment while we are in the clinic. So while we are sharing these facilities with the dental students, since it was like the dental college, they had first priority. Mm. Um, so we ended up having to do night clinics. Oh so during the first semester, normal clinic hours were from 8 to 11.30 and 1 to 4.30. But since we had to social distance, we had to do night clinics, which were from, I believe, 6 to 9.30 oh, wow. or 6 to 9. Mm. Um I just remember that being like really it wasn't necessarily difficult because there is a whole new group of patients that would be able to come in after work hours. They wouldn't have to take off, um, but it was just inconvenient right. for the students and the professors. Mm. Um, so that was for a couple of months we were doing that. And then they allowed us to come back to having regular clinic hours, but we would just be in different clinics throughout the building instead of just one place. Um, and I think they tried to accommodate us the best that they could. And it was definitely a time to give and show grace to our faculty for doing everything that they could in a such an uncertain time. Sure. Yeah. Um, but we also had to go through like patients not wanting to come in because of COVID um, because there was nothing to know about what we should and shouldn't do. And you're sitting in a chair with your mouth open without a mask for three plus hours. Um, and it was just scary for some people to come in. Um, so that was also a challenge because if a patient didn't come in, that would affect your grade for the day. Um, and ultimately, if you have 
multiple failed patients or no patients, um, your grade would continue to go down. Oh, that's horrible. That's not your fault. Yeah, but there's no good way to grade us on that. Right. Um, Because I want to say it's unfair, but I also see it as there's no better alternative. Sure, yeah, yeah. So... And I say that too yeah. because I I am one of those patients. Like my kids have not been to the dentist in the last mm-hmm. year because, um, yeah, I was like I don't want people going through their mouth during all of this, you know. Um, so that's yeah, why I feel like it's sure. even more unfair for a student learning about it. But then if their patient doesn't want to come in, they don't want to come in. You know, it's, I feel like it's understandable, Mm -hmm. but I get where you're coming from as well. But, um, were you going to say something else after that? I was going to ask you another question. Um, I don't think so. So, okay. So say like, I mean, obviously you made it through the year and patients did all your pa- patients didn't cancel, I'm assuming, because you passed, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so um, did you, like, I'm curious, like, just just not to make yourself look in any certain way, but maybe to encourage others that are maybe in dental hygienist school or uh, maybe thinking about it, like, did you have any like mishaps or mistakes that you made that you feel like, I mean, hopefully you didn't, but I'm curious if you did. Oh yes. Yes. Um, there are multiple mishaps that can happen and that did happen to me in hygiene school. Um, so for example, one of my friends came in for me as a patient and Usually, like, those um, patient sessions will be more of, like, a hangout than actual, like, school Um, because your friend is there and you can talk to them whenever you're not doing things in their mouth. Um, And I remember I was distracted because I was talking to her Mm. um, that I forgot to clean an entire side of her mouth before (laughs) getting a check. Oh, no. So... Um, during your first semester of hygiene school, you don't get any errors. You don't get points taken off for um, things that you've done wrong or um, tartar that you missed. But as you go on each semester, more and more points will be taken off for each error. So whenever I had this friend in the chair, I forgot to clean the entire side of her mouth. And I got so many errors for that that my end grade for her was closer to like a 60. Um, Oh my. And I just remember being like, this is so unfair. I just forgot. Um, But in the end, it was my fault because I did forget. And I couldn't blame the professor for giving it to me because it was obvious that this is what happened. Mm. And this is the grade I deserve for what Mm. happened. I guess you never did that again, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Never again. <laughs> Have you ever, like, accidentally poked somebody too hard? I think there have been times where the patient does feel 
pain. I see. I um, see. Especially when we're first starting out. Do they um, vocalize it? Like, they're like, ow. So some, <laughs> some will um, like flinch a little bit. Uh. And then others will make like a, a bigger deal out of it. Um, <laughs> so kind. You're think, so kind, Jamie. <laughs> but I think that the patients that come to the school already know that these hygienists in trading don't know all that there is to what goes on. Mm. Um, and that they're sort of prepared for that. So I think our patients in school are very generous. I see. I see. Um, well, that's good to know. That's good. So after you um, graduate from the program, um, is you mentioned, I heard you say people taking their boards. So there is another test that you need to take? Yes. So after you complete your schooling, well, for me, I took my national board exam during spring break. Mm. Um, so the national board is a written exam um, that has different portions. It has things about tooth anatomy. It has things about abnormalities that are found in the mouth. Um, pharmacology, which is about drugs and how they affect the oral cavity. Um, everything that you learn in school um, will and can be on this test. Mm -hmm. And this test is the same test that every hygienist in every state would take. Um, and you have to pass it to become one step closer to becoming a registered dental hygienist. Oh, so so that's the national board. Oh, okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. No, no, no. Continue. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the national board, the written board. So then there's also a clinical board mm. where you would have to clean someone's teeth in a specific amount of time with a specific amount of errors or less. Um, and you're graded on that. And that's mm. your clinical board, which varies depending on state. So for the state of Georgia, we take a credits exam. Um, and it's accepted in a few other states as well. I think um, South Carolina also you can practice with the credits exam, um, but you can't in Florida because Florida takes a different clinical exam. Oh, I see. Um, so for that exam, we have to find a patient who meets a certain amount of requirements, who has enough buildup on their teeth below the gum line that you can remove um, for the judges to say that, okay, you're competent in being able to clean this person's teeth. Um, so for my uh, ideal boards patient would not be someone who has bone loss. It would be someone who just had, who needs like a deep cleaning, who maybe has gingivitis. Um, but I could not find a board's patient like that. So I had to use my patient who was a periodontitis patient who had bone loss and was more difficult. And I remember trying to get advice and counsel from my professors 
asking them, like, should I use this patient as my board's patient or is it too risky? Um, and there would be some professors that were like, um, I, I don't think like this is a good idea. You should continue looking. But if this is all you have, then this is all you have. I mean, and then how do you, other- you, you just have to find somebody or like there's like a pool of people or what? So we throughout our last year of hygiene school, we try to find a patient who meets all these requirements. Oh. And unfortunately, it doesn't become like a pressing matter until our final semester of hygiene school, mm. um, where we would see like patients who have more buildup on their teeth. And hopefully one of them will be a candidate for boards and we'll ask them if they would be our boards patient for us. But for most of my classmates, we couldn't find people just organically through our patient list. Mm -hmm. We would go out and put up flyers in like nail shops or grocery stores or coffee shops and being like, if you haven't had a cleaning in like five plus years, please come and get screened for our board's patient. Are you serious? Um, yeah, that was a really stressful time for a oh lot my God, of my that's crazy. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Did people respond to that flyer? Yes, they did. Um, because if you were a boards patient, you would get your cleaning done for free. That is so interesting to me because I'm like, I would never respond to that. <laughs> I guess there are people that like would see it and be like, oh, cool. Okay, I'll get a free cleaning, I guess. Okay, and we would this- always do like Facebook posts and share one another's Facebook posts. Um, people would put it on Craigslist. Um, they really did the absolute most that they could to get these patients in. Okay, so... Did you end up using that patient? Yes. I ended up using the more difficult patient because I knew they were reliable. Mm. So you have to have a reliable boards patient because if on the day of the exam they don't show up, that's $1,000 down the drain. Right. So we wanted to find a patient who met all these requirements, but also someone who we would know would be there on that day early um, and not just coming in the door right as time started because it is a timed exam. Um, So I did end up using that patient and I ended up passing, praise God. Um, But I remember my patient was, um, he, he had like some health complications where he was on some blood thinners. So whenever you're bleeding, it makes things more difficult. You can't see very well because there's a lot of blood in um, your workspace and it makes just things more messy. So I remember I was waiting for my patient to come back from the judging area where they would see how well I did and if I um, got everything correct. Um, And they were like, there were a couple of people who were assisting the judges and they came over and were like, um, yeah, we need more gauze and ice. Um, one of the patients are bleeding too much. And I was like, oh, 
my patient. Um, so I just remember I was wait. I was the last one waiting for my patient. I was like, are they just like waiting for the bleeding to stop or are (laughs) they finding things that I missed? I was so nervous in that time. Um, and then when he finally came out, um, we were just joking about like, um, why you were there for so long. Um, and just trying to make things light because we would get our results like within 10 minutes after the last person gets their patient back. So after the exam, all of the people who took the exam together were huddled together on their phones waiting for the results to come up. And I thought it was like, it was exciting because we would see um, all of our classmates like pass together. But then I also was like, what if someone doesn't pass? Like, it'd be really sad for one person not to pass and everyone else to pass. Um, Cause I felt like I would be that person just mm-hmm. because so many thoughts were running through my head um, with my patient being the last one out. But in the end, all of my classmates passed their board's exam um, on their first try, which was really exciting. And we we're all able to celebrate with one another. So we were just one step closer to being at our careers. Um, that's amazing. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you guys all passed together. I mean, it sounds like it would be a rare occasion for all of you guys to pass together at the same time. It sounds really exciting too. Were you always like all like cheering and stuff afterwards? Yeah, we were, we were all planning to go out to eat together to celebrate our passing. That's awesome. Okay, so you said you guys were one step closer. Is there a final step? So after our boards, you still had to graduate and pass your um, clinic sessions, um, meet all the requirements for school. Mm. So at the beginning of hygiene school, you, you get a list of things that you have to do to be able to graduate clinically. So you have to see um, or you have to pass a specific number of competencies on. um, So we grade patients on a level of one to four um, based on their buildup in their mouth. So Mm -hmm. one being um, close to nothing and then four being very heavy. I see. um, tartar wise Mm. so we would have to take competencies to be able to see if we were able to clean this person's teeth in a specific amount of time with a specific amount of errors or less um, to be able to see that we are competent in cleaning all kinds of mouths essentially Mm. Um, so if we didn't meet those requirements we would be held back in a summer semester but thankfully, none of us had to do that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that would kind of suck, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, Jamie, I feel like I like your transparency and your articulation of what it is that you do um, is so clear to me. And I um, am so thankful. Thank you so much for sharing so much about what it is that you do. 
Yeah, of course. It was a lot of fun sharing. Yeah. Um, I have to ask you a couple more questions before we end our conversation tonight. And the first one is, um, is there something that you like just don't like about the job? Um, I would say that there are a couple of things that are less enjoyable about this job. Less enjoyable is um, a good word. This. <laughs> um, one being that it does take a toll on your body. Mm. Um, you are sitting and bent over a patient um, for the majority of the day. Mm. Um, so I found that once I started working um, and seeing like eight patients a day, I've had to come home and stretch. Um, and that's not something I had to do ever before, but I would just feel so tight in my back and my shoulders um, that I would have to do something extra mm. to keep myself from wasting away physically. Oh, gosh. That makes sense, though. Yeah, I mean, I think I've asked, I think we've talked about it, me and you, but I've asked my dental hygienist what she doesn't like about her job. And she said the exact same thing is like the back issues that she has from being on the job for so long but stretching has helped a little bit for you yes stretching makes a whole lot of difference um and also depending on like what kinds of patients I see during the day Mm -hmm. um if I see more difficult patients um I tend to feel more sore just because I'm bent in weird angles trying to see um different things inside their mouth whereas a more easy patient who has very little to clean off their teeth I can be more aware of like my posture Mm. and get them in and out of their appointment time on time because they have so little to clean off their teeth I see I see that makes sense too okay so what is the best part of the job for you I mean I feel like you've mentioned it a little bit but yeah let's if is there anything else or you can reiterate what you already said I think there are a lot of things that are really great about this job um one is that you get instant gratification from what you do Mm. um being able to see that from someone who came in with um like staying on their teeth and just like not confident in like their oral health to being able to bring it back to a state of health and helping them know how to maintain it Mm. is really rewarding. And also there are people who come in um, who are embarrassed with what's going on inside their mouths and being able to just talk to them and build up a confidence and like a game plan sort of as to how to make things better um, is really rewarding. Yeah, I love that. I feel like you don't think about that part as a patient, though, like you being able to give this empower this person because like, you know, the mouth is a very sensitive thing not just like physically but just even emotionally I feel like if I I mean you don't have to think about it too hard but it's the first thing people see you know yeah. and if you're not confident in that um, that's really great that's awesome that's a really good point point. Um, and lastly before we end our time together uh, 
do you have any advice for somebody that maybe is listening and is thinking, oh, maybe this is something I might be interested in or just any life advice at all? Yeah. Um, to anyone who is interested in dental hygiene, um, it is a rigorous course load going through school and you will feel discouraged at times because you're starting out not knowing anything and trying to be really good at something really quickly. Mm. Um, but if this is your passion and something that you know you want to do um, as your career, just stick to it and surround yourself with people who are willing to encourage you and empower you um, even at your lowest of lows. And also for you to also encourage those around you like your classmates um, and just stick to it and be steadfast in your journey mm. and just continue at it if this is what you really want to do. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. I feel like everything you just said, I yeah, I just want to echo it real quick because I think the point about just surrounding yourself with people that can encourage you, that love you and know who you are is so important in a time where things get tough and hard, right? It's like you start this journey and it gets it gets difficult, whether it's being a dental hygienist or anything else um but if you have loved ones around you that can say hey i know it's hard but you got to keep going or don't forget jamie this is what you wanted to do you know um yeah it's so important and just that even the key word that you just said of being steadfast i love that word like because i just imagine this just the straight line right never not wavering always constant and um yeah that's really sound advice thank you so much jamie i really appreciate everything you said today i had so much fun being on here and i'm really thankful to be able to share my story here too yeah it is my honor truly um hey Jamie, would you be open if somebody was um, maybe had more questions about what you did or um, maybe about your life even? Would you be open for me to give them your contact information? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, you guys, if you um, enjoyed this episode or you have more questions for Jamie, please feel free to reach out. You can DM me on social media or you can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Jamie. Until next time. <laughs>